What's up, makers? Welcome to MakerCast, a podcast about the inner work of creatives from all walks in all places. I am your host, Morgan Smith, and this is Season 2, Episode 2. Today on the show, I want to take you through my conversation with Alex Nefko and Sydney Dixon, two hard-working artists whom I admire very much. I spoke with them a few weeks ago and wanted to pick their brains about artistry, pottery, and what makes a great art teacher and a safe space for being creative. I'll be jumping in throughout the conversation to kind of help provide the narration. But otherwise, sit back, relax, and enjoy the artistic musings from Alex and Sydney. Enjoy! My name is Alex Nefko. I'm Sydney Dixon. I like to think of myself as an artist because I love to make art. Been making art for about six years. It all started with some doodles in the hallway in high school. I've always really enjoyed things like painting and sketching. And evolved into me creating pottery pretty much full time now and teaching classes to a wide range of ages and skill sets. But beyond that, anything that I would even consider to be, you know, showable to another person has really been in the last three years or so. I'm just trying to figure out what's my niche right now. I started off our conversation by asking Alex and Sydney a simple question. Why clay? Clay is honestly my favorite medium to work with by far. I've done painting, sketching, metals, sculpture, slip casting, hand-built and wheel-thrown clay is just the most therapeutic for me to work with. And it's also very forgiving, which is something that I have come to appreciate in the past few years. Funny story, actually I was in high school and failed chemistry, so I just needed a class to fill the spot. And nowadays I find myself doing chemistry all the time with pottery when I'm mixing glazes and firing kilns. And it's a funny, ironic thing where I didn't really have an eye for it. It just fell into my lap and I had a great teacher that let me spend extra time in the studio and pushed me towards that 10,000 hours to become an expert thing. You know, it, it started me off good because I had three days of the week with no school and I could just come into the studio and he would let me do pottery during the other classes going on and I would just sit there and watch the beginners. I would come on the, the periods when there was no one there at all, and I would just stay all day long and got super invested into it. And I actually just was reading my diary this morning from one of my entries in high school, and it was like, oh, I'm really enjoying creating pottery. Like, 
I made this this week. And then later in the page it said like, next I just gotta figure out what I'm gonna do for my career. And it's so funny to think now I'm trying to do pottery as my career. And I, you know, when I was just starting, I had no idea, but it's worked out pretty well so far. With clay, I feel it's great to have a plan when you are coming through and you're trying to make something. But for me with clay, you can make anything without really having a lot of thought go into it. Personally, I will sit down at the wheel with my, you know, two pounds of clay, just not really feeling any specific shape, and it'll turn into something, which is really nice for me because, you know, sometimes that's what I need. I want to make something. I don't care what it is. I'm not looking to produce a custom order. I'm looking to enjoy myself for the next 10 to 15 minutes as I create a vessel. For me, I can get very lost inside my own thoughts. It happens to me daily. But when I sit down at the wheel or when I'm wedging, all of my energy and my thoughts are put into the action that I'm doing and the textile feel of the clay. And, you know, and my favorite part, there's the smell of everything. After hearing that, I had to ask Alex to expound on the therapeutic nature of clay. I took a hand-building course, 2017, I want to say. I had a great time doing it, but I wasn't in love with it. I, I probably wouldn't have taken another class, if not for Sydney. While I was in that class, Sydney was working in the studio as a, as a work-study student. There was one day that we were just, um, I was just hanging out in class and I had gone outside to sand something, I'm sure. And Sydney was in the kiln shed loading the gas kiln. And we had a really great conversation. It was near the beginning of when I had moved to Bend and I really had not made many friends. So meeting Sydney and feeling her energy, she was very positive, which is not something that I was used to. And then she ended up telling me that they were hiring in the studio for the next term after the summer had ended. And because of that, I applied for the job and ended up getting it. And then from there, that's where I fell in love with clay. I fell in love with it, mixing glazes, talking to students, being in the environment, feeling the community of what being an artist is all about to me. It's it's a hundred percent the other people that make art worth making, life worth living. That's how I feel, and that's what I found in our studio, <laughs> uh, and I loved it, and I I felt happy coming into our room every day and seeing smiling faces and getting to enjoy other people for however long I was there. I asked Sydney about striking a balance between doing it professionally and doing it as an outlet for herself. It's one of those things where I have to really focus and and tell myself to make this a meditative moment and to just relax and go with the flow. And I can't just do custom orders and I can't just make dish sets, although that is what sells. Like That's where you find the balance as an artist is like, once you get fast enough, 
on the wheel. You can spend part of your day making those orders and the other half experimenting and finding the joy in being able to create bigger and better. And I've just recently had a huge studio transition and I'm moving to working on my own, which is really weird for me because the community is what I value. Like I love being around the energy like Alex talks about and essentially want to have a safe space no matter where it may be. And now my goal is just creating that in my home. And I just spent the last full day getting my inventory set. I've been working on my website and, and that's the things that I've been focusing on this last month, which is weird. And I actually haven't sat down at the wheel once at all. So there's a, a weird thing where I would picture like, oh, I have a whole month off. Of course, I'll be making pottery that whole time, but that's not how it played out. And honestly, I'm grateful for that because I needed a refresher and my creativity was, was lacking. And I just, I've been drawing and I've been creating inspiration from nature and sometimes you just go through waves and when I'm frustrated with my mindset towards pottery and wanting to make money off of it and struggling I take a step back and I stop touching the clay for a little bit and I realize like then this is what I'm doing it for and I've just been going through everything I've made that I still own today and seeing my pieces from high school and seeing my pieces from a month ago and it's amazing the difference and I feel so proud and it's like a way that I wouldn't have before if I hadn't taken this moment to just step back and like realize that as an artist there are times where you may not want to create because you feel like you're doing it for the wrong reasons but there are the right reasons you just have to find them by maybe doing something else that you enjoy, like yoga or taking a run or a bike ride and getting inspired by other things, other people's art, and then bringing it back to your workplace. So that's what I've kind of been focusing on recently. Picking up on what Sydney said about sourcing inspiration from various avenues, I had to ask Alex if he also looked elsewhere to fuel his inspiration for his work with clay. I have a lot of painting stuff. So although I haven't spent a lot of time painting, it's something that I really enjoy since I haven't spent a lot of time doing it. I'm not really proud of any of the work that I do, which I think is silly because I am not proud of it because I'm comparing myself to what I want to be to other artists that I've seen. So I'll do something like that. Um, I play the trombone. Uh, I played in high school, middle school and high school actually. But, um, you know, I graduated in 2013, and since then, it's made a handful of appearances in my life. Um, I recently broke it out at the start of our self-isolation. I know one song by memory that I... <laughs> okay, um, I'll preface it. I um, have always been into The Phantom of the Opera. And when I was in ninth grade, I had some extra time, and I, by ear, listened to a song and tried to figure out how to play it on the trombone. This is, this is unwarmed up, so just, just know that. Yes! Oh. Bravo! I definitely want to um, bust it out more and play some, but... Um, 
solo trombone doesn't have a lot of, you know, music for it. A common theme on many of the episodes of MakerCast has been what makes a good art teacher. Someone who acts like your friend more than your teacher. They hold a certain amount of respect, but don't hold you to crazy standards. They just want you to enjoy yourself. And that's what I found in my teacher in high school, Andrew Butterfield. He's a wonderful man, still teaching there and working with my fellow colleagues that I was in AP ceramics with. And so it's awesome to see how that community is still interacting. And, and I am so lucky to have already been teaching pottery at such a young age and so early in my career. And so I try and take you know, some things from his lessons and classes into my own teaching. But mostly it's the environment that I remember. Like one day he was just, I was going through a lot and he sat me down and was just like, hey, I want this to be a safe place for you. Like I can tell things are going on. You know, if you need anything, let me know. And it's just things like that. It's not like I ever had to reach out and be like, hey, I need anything. It was just knowing and just him saying that helped so much, you know. I've had to do the same for a student of mine who was struggling emotionally. The girl was having some issues and I think she just didn't know how to express herself fully and so she took it out on herself and I saw that and you know had to set her aside and be you know like this is okay and just give me a hug like it's gonna be fine we're we're in this together like this is not something that you need to be stressing about this is it's for you to have fun so. I loved Sydney's description of a great art teacher. And then of course, I wanted to ask Alex the same question. For me, I have to agree with Sydney. It's it's 100% about respect. Respect for the craft, the material, themselves, the student. I think, I think to be a good art teacher, you have to have a very small ego. I've had experiences in the past to where an assignment has been given. I've had an idea for the assignment. Maybe the idea I had you know, was belittled to where I didn't want to do it anymore or changed in such a fashion that it no longer connected with the emotion that I was trying to put forth in the assignment. I think it's very important for the the teacher, the instructor, to, to know that you're not in control of what the student makes. The student 
has 100% control creatively over what is going to happen. For me, when a student needs help with something, my advice is 100% technical. This is how you score and slip. This is how you trim. It's not, this would look really good if you change this about it. It's, it's very powerful to me, the fact that um, we, we do respect each other's opinions and each other's ideas because we've all had different walks of life. We've all experienced different things, and that really comes out in a person's thoughts and feelings. When you respect someone and respect their art, beautiful things can happen. With themes of respect and the notion of a safe space recurring, I wanted to ask Sydney to elaborate on what makes a safe space to her. In the world, even before I was at a home studio and I was working for a community-based studio here in Bend, that space was always changing and always maybe it was safe in the morning maybe it was safe at night maybe it was safe on the days where there wasn't a bunch of customers coming through the studio and disrupting my my meditation and my meditative state that safe place was always constantly shifting and so that was difficult for me and and finding a balance with you know wanting to create just to make money and and wanting to create because it's what makes me so happy um, is it can be difficult especially when you're you know teaching classes and running a studio which is something that Alex I'm sure deals with too and I think that the way that people expect us to be especially when with pottery it's hard when people are like who don't do it maybe don't understand the price or they take a class and they're like wow this is so much harder than you thought and you're like yeah it's really one of those things that you have to dedicate so much time and energy to and it's really easy to lose that energy if you don't have the spark and you don't have those right people around you to make the safe place because they are what keep inspiring you because you see something they make and you're like wow I would never have thought of that and and it inspires you to bring a little piece of that into your own work and so yeah the the space is very important and I think that it can be created anywhere anytime it just it definitely takes a little bit of, of community a little bit of cooperation by everyone because you know everyone has different ideas about how things should be done and and so that's I think most important when it comes down to having that space in a, any studio but especially where there's going to be a lot of artists working together. I asked Alex if growing up and living life as a creative made him feel different from other people at all. I am in the mindset of people that don't create are the different ones. It blows my mind that people don't have a creative outlet. I realize that for a lot of people, you know, I, I have the, the luxury of working in a in a ceramic studio. So I don't I don't work a nine to five office job and I I don't know if I would have the energy 
to create or be creative or try to pursue anything after working a long day and sitting in traffic. I don't know um, if I could do that. So uh, I would have to say that I'm very lucky to be in a position to where I'm able to do something so fantastic. The past few weeks, I guess it's been about a month or so since we've been in self-isolation, creating has been very different for me. It's been very erratic and I feel motivated at some times to, to just create, to just do something. It doesn't matter what it is. Um, sometimes I have a, a basis idea. Sometimes I, I know exactly what I want to make. But I have found myself not enjoying it as much as I, as I used to because there's something about sharing those moments of creativity with another person that is unlike any other feeling that I could describe. The positivity that I experienced from other artists makes me feel like what I'm doing is more worthwhile because it's not just me who's enjoying it. I'm, I'm spreading that a little bit and, you know, and then when it gets spread to me, I, I love that. Whenever somebody is like sitting at their wheel or pulling a piece out of a glaze firing and the joy on their face. And it's like, we always say opening a kiln is just like Christmas. And I love that energy, especially I have a lot of experience with beginners working out of college and to, to see somebody that walked in with zero experience and then walking out at the end of the term with even one piece that they're proud of is so special to me. It makes me so happy. And I think that's really what the safe space is about. It's about the other people there that make you feel positive about the work that you're creating. I had no idea it was gonna be like this. This is, I like this a lot. This is nice. This is cool. Yeah. Perhaps the hardest question of all, I asked Alex and Sydney to describe each other's work. Mm. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Just give, give me a second. Let me really think about it. Oh, I'm trying. I'm trying, man. I, I would say right off the bat, the first word that comes to my mind is eclectic. Um, <laughs> Sydney doesn't make one thing. Sydney can make mugs. 
she can make cups, plates, bowls. Alex's work is courageous. Ashtrays, she'll do, she'll make anything. What I really like about Sydney is that it's it's such a non-issue for her. Every time I see him doing something, it's something I've never seen him do before. I almost n never hear her complain like something didn't come out right on the wheel. He's hand building, he's slip casting, he's wheel throwing, he's wheel throwing a mug, He's then he's making big vases. Her work feels, it's like, um, I, I, I compare Sydney to a, to a dancer on the wheel. You know, he's constantly taking classes, even though he's in the studio <laughs> all day, every day, and gets paid to be there. <laughs> she knows the moves. She does them with style. And it's beautiful to watch. He is so into the learning and into trying more. And that's what's so beautiful about his work. I have a lot of respect for Sydney. It's only gonna get better, so I love it. Thank you, Sid. As I listen to that interaction between two friends, I can't help but feel encouraged and reminded of just how much we need each other as artists and as people. So from Sydney and from Alex, and from me, keep making. MakerCast was recorded and produced in beautiful Bend, Oregon. Music for this episode by Blue Dot Sessions. More info on their minimalist acoustic sounds in the show notes. If you'd like to support the ongoing creation of this podcast, you can visit patreon.com slash makercast. Thanks again for listening. And we'll be, we'll be listening listening with you in the next episode. Do you want to say that together? Yeah. Or would that be better just you? I'm hoping there'll be some laughs. The more laughs, the better, because this is going to... Between like, us? It's going to go... And then yeah. it's going to go right into you playing the tuba. It's going to be... It's a, a trombone. Disrespectful, <laughs> 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 so man. Funny.